Welcome to Capital Link's company presentation series. Nicholas Bornos of Capital Link, and I would like to welcome you again to the to Capital Link's corporate presentation series. Uh, we are delighted to have with us the top management of Navigator Gas, who are going to talk about uh, the their development, uh, corporate strategy, and sector outlook. Uh, as a reminder, uh, this presentation is not an offer to buy or sell securities. It is not an investment advice or advice of any kind, and it is intended purely for informational purposes. Uh, logistically, uh, we will have a presentation, and then after the end of the slide presentation, uh, we will have Q&A, live Q&A. Please submit your questions through the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen, and um, your questions will be answered by management uh, after the slide presentation. And uh, the, this presentation will remain archived uh, for, it can be accessed upon demand later on. And uh, with this in mind, I will turn the floor over to Randy Givens, Executive Vice President of uh, Investor Relations and Business Development, who will introduce the other speakers and uh, manage the session. Uh, Randy and Oivind and Matt, thank you for being with us. Awesome. Thanks so much for that introduction, uh, Nicholas, and thank you, Capital Link, for hosting us on today's webinar. So with that, uh, we have some slides prepared. And today's speaker, we will start with our Chief Executive Officer, Mads Peter Zako, uh, followed up by Oyvind Lindemann on the Chief Commercial Officer, giving the commercial update, and then myself, I'll come back on to give some updates around financials and some recent developments. So with that, if we can go a few slides forward, I'll turn it over to Mads for some company background and information. <clears throat> Good, yes. Um, good morning and uh, good afternoon and uh, thanks for joining our, our session here. Um, I'll just run over a, a couple of uh, pages here, giving a little bit of an introduction to Navigator, uh, particularly for those that are, are new to the company. Uh, I'll keep up a relatively brisk pace so that Oivin later on can uh, maybe dwell a little bit more on all the uh, commercial update and what we see in, in the market. Uh, and, and then after that, uh, yeah, Randy will talk a little bit about all the things that we have been doing, uh, some of the projects that we, we have uh, ongoing or, or just completed. So, but with this page here, you can see a little bit of a historical overview of, of Navigator. And uh, Navigator was, was founded as a handy size gas carrier. And uh, you can see from the current business um, composition that we have that we've stayed loyal to this, uh, to this segment. It is the main part of our business. We have grown the business of, of Navigator through uh, acquisitions over time uh, to a point where we today uh, will be owning uh, 57 uh, vessels uh, by the uh, probably the, the middle of, uh, of, of this year once we have uh, uh, taken over the, uh, the five Greater Bay uh, vessels in, in our joint venture as, as we note here. Um, we have fortified the, uh, the position in, in ethylene that, that Navigator has held through the enterprise joint venture, where we've invested into to terminal assets as well to, to complement our, our shipping business. And, and we've already seen now a lot of evidence that this uh, brings substantial uh, synergies to uh, our business and also means that we have appetite for more of that uh, to, to come in the future. So this was a, a quick overview and, and maybe jump to the next page. And one back. 
Yeah. So this is a overview of the commodities that Navigator carries. Uh, you can look uh, to the left and see the LPG has been historically the biggest proportion of our business. Um, it's uh, basically propane and, and butane that you know so well from your uh, gas barbecue at home. Um, it's a versatile energy carrier and it's also an important uh, chemical building block. Uh, it's, it's grown in, in prominence, you could say, during the, the recent uh, energy crisis in, in Europe and, and is an important uh, energy source uh, for, for, for Europe over the winter as well. We're also transporting uh, right now a, a bunch of pet camps, uh, and here particularly we include ethylene. It's an importing, important building block for, for, for plastics production uh, across the world. We also have ammonia. It's uh, used in the production of fertilizer. It's uh, key in the food production process and also for, for food security, and also one where we've seen uh, changing trading patterns as, as a result of the ongoing war between uh, or in, in, in Ukraine. Uh, going forward, ammonia will become likely a bigger part of our business. Uh, we see blue and green ammonia, that is, uh, ammonia that's produced without any greenhouse gas emissions and, and combusted without any greenhouse gas emissions. Um, it'll be important uh, energy uh, carriers going forward. And uh, we think it's gonna be a, a large and growing business uh, area for, for, for Navigator. And so is the CO2. Uh, we see that there are many projects under development. We don't carry CO2 in, in Navigator today but it's an emerging uh, new business area. And you can see when, when we look at this, we have three very strong uh, footholds in, in LPG, in ammonia, in, in petrol pet camps right now. And we see some, some very interesting uh, new growth areas in the green transition uh, coming with uh, blue-green ammonia and, uh, and the CO2 as well. So if you jump to the next one. So this is just an illustration, you could say, of the global nature of uh, Navigator's business. Uh, right in the middle of the map, you can see Houston. It's our home port, and that's where the majority of our business originates. Um, pet chems and ethylene uh, travels very long distance. It travels, uh, for instance, from uh, shipped out of Houston and, and to China. So it goes uh, across the, the Pacific and, and, and long haul business. And you can see that also in the uh, green uh, bars below that uh, compared to, to cargo volume, uh, earnings days is a disproportionate large part for, uh, for, for the pet camps transportation. Uh, vice versa with uh, ammonia and LPG. These are typically regional businesses for our handies. Uh, ammonia has gone uh, somewhat longer distances in, in the past year because of the, the war in Ukraine, but, um, but, but typically uh, LPG and, uh, and ammonia is, is a regional trade for us. If you hop on to the next one, this is really an illustration of, of why we like our Semirif handies so much. Um, our vessels uh, can, can carry both uh, cooled and also pressurized gases, as opposed to uh, what you see in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in, in the VLGCs or the, the um, pressurized vessels and, and also, oh, sorry, the, uh, also in the fully ref vessels, uh, the, uh, the VLGCs. And so, um, so here, uh, good visit 
versatile uh, vessels that we, we are having that can be used for, for pretty much all the uh, uh, gases that are being transported except from, from LNG. Hopping on uh, to, the, to the next, to the uh, page eight here, you can see uh, it's one of the, the great uh, pictures that we have taken at the Targa terminal in Houston. Uh, this is where you can see three navigator vessels that are loading and, and discharging propane, butadine, and uh, ethylene. Uh, it also shows why we like our joint venture terminal at Morgan's Point so much, because here, where this picture is taken at Taka, um, it takes about 12 days to load uh, an, an ethylene carrier at a rate of uh, 30 tons per hour. Uh, at Morgan's Point, our joint venture terminal, it takes uh, less than uh, a day. Uh, because we can load there at a thousand tons per hour. So it is really the vast, vast majority of all the ethylene that's being uh, transported out of the Houston areas is done from, from the Morgan Point terminal. Um, so with that, I think I'll just hand it over to, to you, Oivin, so you can talk a little bit about the, uh, the commercial uh, opportunities we're seeing. Thank you, Mats. Um, really, uh, just to follow on from uh, one of the previous pages whereby Houston is our home port. So North America is the locomotive for a lot of the opportunities we are seeing and also <clears throat> pushing more and more exports out of North America, be LPG, be it ethane, be it ethylene or more propylene and other petrochemical cargoes as we go forward over the next few years. So one key metric to look at <clears throat> to assess the health of the North American market and hence also as in association with navigating gas is the NGL production. So this graph uh, on the bottom left is taken from EIA. And they monitor all the LPG exports and the NGL production. Uh, the recent numbers are up and the collective industry also believes that the NGL production is increasing. Uh, that is extremely good because US domestic demand for these uh, products are relatively flat. Therefore, a lot of midstream companies are talking about expanding um, production, but also export capacity to be able to evacuate, export these molecules. Propane is an attractive molecule because of its versatility as an energy carrier against oil. So there's a lot of folks today that are switching from high priced oil to propane LPG, which is attractive for our business and is pushing demand, which is good. In terms of North America, LPG exports predominantly are on bigger ships. However, there is an increasing trend that handy size LPG exports from the US also increasing at a moderate rate, but uh, positive for the handy size segment. So keep an eye on North America, it's very important. There's a lot of positive development activities in North America that will support our own efforts and ambitions at Navigate Gas. Next slide. In terms of uh, on the back of uh, NGL production, uh, one key element of the natural gas liquid is ethane. Ethane is the fundamental building block for the production of ethylene. 
which is in turn fundamental building block for consumer goods and, and, and so forth. So if ethane is cheap, which it is, it's on the bottom left graph, is the green line there, ethane remains fundamentally competitive against any other feedstock or any other uh, location in the world, which gives North American chemical industry a huge price advantage. Therefore, they can produce ethylene cheaply compared to other parts of the world. And therefore, the export terminal at Morgan's Point uh, work, it functions as a, a, as a release valve, an opportunity for domestic US producers to sell their products and also for international buyers to, to buy and access uh, competitively priced ethylene from the US. And the arbitrage is there. Uh, what is interesting for us, for Navigator, putting our freight hat on, is where the test, where the product is going. So if a US ethylene from our terminal goes to Europe, it takes 30 days round voyage, only discharge in Europe and come back. But if it goes trans-Pacific to Asia, then it takes double, 60 days to go there and back. That has a big impact on the supply of ships and availability of ships. So we are monitoring not only volume going out of North America and from our terminal, it's, uh, it's um, at nameplate capacity at the moment, but also where the cargoes are going. And you can see in the middle graph, if you follow the, the dark blackish line, is the percentage of the US ethylene export going to Asia. So it's about 75% at the moment, which is great. That uh, uh, tightens the market. And uh, later on, you can see how that has impacted the potent freight rates. US ethane export as a feedstock also increasing, um, just underpinning our fundamental belief that NGL production is increasing, the world needs it, and therefore it is exported on ships. Next slide. Uh, one uh, development that uh, Mats uh, mentioned uh, briefly is that of ammonia. So because of uh, high natural gas prices in particularly Europe and also uh, lack of supply uh, from, from Russian uh, ammonia through Ukraine, Europeans have been scrambling to satisfy their own demand for ammonia. Ammonia is a, a key element input for production of fertilizer, ultimately food production. Traditionally, Europe has been relatively self-sufficient but now they have to look elsewhere. And to the, on the graph on the right-hand side, you can see where up until February last year, uh, the ammonia imports to Europe were quite stable and the location they got it from. However, now you, Europeans are importing ammonia products from anywhere they can get their hands on it, uh, meaning increased distances. So, at the beginning of last year, we had uh, three ships out of our 50 plus vessels in ammonia. Today, we have uh, 10 or 10, 9, 9, 10 ships trading ammonia. And that is a big impact in a relatively small segment because if you suddenly have seven additional navigator ships trading ammonia, they are not available in the LPG market or the petrochemical market. So it tightens the overall segment. 
And we believe that this is going to continue, perhaps not as strong, but um, it's not going to go back to the only three ships that we had 12 months ago. Next slide, please. So all this combined, uh, you can see that uh, our earnings days mix for the entire fleet is composed on the, on the graph to the right. You can see that the dark blue at the bottom there, ammonia TC, the earnings stays in ammonia is going up because we have more ships in that. Um, and that is pushing up strong, a strong petrochemical market, a lot of uh, ethylene from healthy ethylene volumes from the terminal heading to Asia, not Europe, is pushing up utilization. And that is an important factor in the uh, supply demand balance of ships in the hand size segment. We've guided uh, 4Q to be above 90% and uh, the strength has continued throughout the last couple of months, which is good. Next slide, please. So then <clears throat> I briefly mentioned the impact of uh, uh, healthy ethylene volumes um, heading to Asia and not to Europe as we saw during last summer. You can see the green line is uh, the quoted market rates for ethylene vessels. You can see that that has increased over the last quarter or so. Um, but likewise, also on the dark blue and the medium blue line, which is handy size semi-refrigerated and handy size fully refrigerated, they have also increased. And that is because <clears throat> Uh, there's been healthy demand for LPG to Europe, uh, particularly now during winter time. More ships in ammonia, so less vessels available in the other, other markets, strong ethylene. So the ethylene vessels are trading ethylene and not any other cargo. So it's a, it's a good, I wouldn't say a perfect storm, but it's a very healthy storm in the, uh, in the handy size market. And um, the, the, the supply of ships or the availability of ships is, is tighter. And that improves utilization and, and uh, following rates. Next slide, please. Another important factor uh, to consider with Navigator going forward is that of supply of ships, and that is, of course, new building programs. The handy size segment, and the one with the green line uh, around, circled, and uh, that is a very low order book. So we have a clear visibility of the supply of vessels over the next three years. And I think it's uh, probably one of the very, very few vessel segments uh, in any shipping maritime sector with such a low order book. So that is helpful when we think about how the future will, will, will develop, uh, which is obviously a, a positive element into the formula of how would and the size rates and the segment look going forward for the next three years. So that was just a, a snapshot, as a positive snapshot of where we're at today. Um, and I will leave that uh, the rest of the other opportunity set and some of the projects that we have been doing to Randy. Randy? Awesome, thanks for that, Oyvind. So yeah, we're gonna fly through some of these financial uh, pages and focus more on the recent developments. But first, just looking at the third quarter here, you know, I won't spend too much time on this. It was certainly the softest quarter of 2022 and it usually is the softest quarter of the year. Just two focus points here, as you can see in the bottom right table, the utilization was under 
as Oyvind just mentioned, we already guided and reiterated that guidance of above 90% for the fourth quarter of 2022. And then right below that, the average TCE was 22,000 for the third quarter. And on the rate charts that Oyvind was just walking through, those rates have been going up since then. So fourth quarter, fourth quarter, excuse me, will be better than the third quarter. And we've already said that uh, publicly. So next slide on the balance sheet. You know, the balance sheet is certainly strong and it provides us a lot of financial flexibility. Uh, I'll go into a few things in the next slide, but on this one, you'll see our total liquidity there of $177 million. Uh, total cash and cash equivalents was $157 million. This is as of September 30th. Things have obviously gotten better since then. Our net debt to EBITDA was about 3.4 times as of September 30th, and that is using the last 12 months of EBITDA. So the next slide will give some updates on the balance sheet going forward. We recently entered into a new secure term loan to refinance a maturing credit facility, and that increased liquidity by $78 million. And that is that new maturity that was pushed by six years to 2028. That's the $37 million bullet that is due uh, at the end of 2028. Uh, you can see that on the bottom right of your slide. We also fully repaid all outstanding bonds under the uh, original 600 million NOF bond, senior secured bonds, uh, that was also in late December of 2022. So we took that out early, that matures in or matured in November of 23, but we decided to repay that early. It was our most expensive debt. And again, we have very strong liquidity. So for the time being, the focus is on those two blue boxes in 2023, those maturities for about $130 million. Uh, the plan is to refinance that with an upsized credit facility, pushing those maturities out at least five or six years to the right. So in the next few months, you'll see a, a very clean balance sheet with no maturities due until 2025. And in the meantime, we will continue to reduce leverage through that aggressive debt amort that you see on the left-hand side there, a little over $121 million to be repaid this year and another $125 million next year. So on the next slide, just wanted to touch on a little bit of our operations and the low cash break-evens. You'll see there that for the full year 22, the estimated cash break-even was around 18500 a day. Uh, well below uh, our TCE rates uh, that we've been earning really throughout the cycle. So very low cash break evens. That's going to go off a little bit uh, for 23 just because of the debt amort is going to increase. But other than that, it should remain relatively stable. Our expense guidance for 22 remains intact, and we will give updated guidance for 2023 coming in March. So on the next slide, wanted to just point out some of these kind of substantial EBITDA upside that we have, right? After three quarters in a row of 55 million, 4Q21, first quarter and second quarter of 22, there was a little seasonal pullback in the third quarter, plus some timing uh, irregularities that were pushed into the fourth quarter. So again, we expect that fourth quarter number uh, to get back to at least those $55 million levels uh, that we saw in the previous three quarters before the third quarter. And then going forward, there is significant potential annual EBITDA generation with increases in spot rates. And that's what we've been seeing, frankly, especially now that utilization is at or above 90%. And you can see that chart with the sensitivity there on the right. So with that, I want to go forward to a few of the recent developments. Uh, if you go forward, two more slides here. So we 
acquired or announced the acquisition of five vessels through a new joint venture with Greater Bay Gas. Uh, we just took delivery of the first vessel, the Pacific Jupiter, and renamed it the Navigator Luna in December. The plan is to take two more deliveries this month, uh, and then another one in the middle of this year, and the fifth and final one by November of 2023. Just putting that into context, the total purchase price for the five vessels, $233 million. 60% um, of that is our portion, so about 140. So when you factor in the debt financing against it, we'll be paying about $10 million per vessel or $50 million overall. On the next slide, speaking of $50 million, we recently announced a $50 million share buyback program. Um, and obviously there's many reasons for that, as you see there on the second bullet, the not the least of which being our share price is far disconnected from our internal NAV calculations and our balance sheet is very strong. So the last uh, item that prohibited us from share buybacks was the NOC bonds being outstanding. But as I said before, we have since called those NOC bonds so now we are allowed to implement the share buyback program. And then on the next slide, last slide for me, is the ethylene export terminal. We announced the expansion of that uh, back in November. Construction is set to start, uh, at least the long lead items being ordered uh, this month or February at the latest. With that, we, complain, we plan on completing this expansion in 2024. And that is our 50-50 joint venture with Enterprise Products Partners. As you can see there, the chart on the left, September uh, was a weaker month, but clearly we recouped a lot of that, as I mentioned, some of the timing there uh, in October. Very strong month there. November, December were pretty firm as well. So we'll have full information on this expansion, including CapEx guidelines or some ranges there, as well as the value addition of the expansion, likely in a joint press release with Enterprise at some point in the coming weeks. So certainly stay tuned for that very exciting development we have here. So with that, I'll turn it back over to Moz. Uh, so for some closing remarks, and then I'll come back on for some Q&A. Good, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, just to to round this off, I'm not going to talk so much about uh, Q3, but uh, but if we do take a look at this this outlook, just to to confirm one more time that with the uh, October utilization and our feelings for uh, about how November and December comes out, we're pretty confident in in that above 90% utilization guidance that we put out uh, when when we reported early on. Um, we, we do also feel pretty comfortable about the export volumes that had run through the uh, marine export terminal in, in Houston, uh, where we said 270,000 tons. And so we feel pretty, pretty good about that. No, no surprises uh, have come up in, in the meantime. Um, with the, and, and Ivan talked a little bit about that, the, uh, the, the transport of, of ethylene going from out of Houston uh, has switched from uh, Europe early on in the year to, to Asia in, in Q4, and we've seen a, a doubling of that ton mile demand uh, going into Q4, and that has of course been really good for our utilization and for, for our earnings. Um, we are going to announce a little bit more about, uh, or we'll be talking more in, in, in coming weeks about the expansion of our uh, terminal in, in, in Houston together with Enterprise and uh, with its uh, developing uh, according to plan as well. 
So uh, I, th I think all in all, when you look at this, and if you followed us in, in the recent uh, conference calls, that some of the things that we had been putting on the agenda, they have been playing out pretty much as expected. So uh, uh, robust end to the year and, and uh, reasonably uh, positive and, and constructive uh, outlook uh, for, for most of the commodities that we carry and also for our growth uh, as well. So. Uh, uh, good, good development opportunities and 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 good uh, core business uh, that is developing as as planned. So I think with with that we should maybe be heading on to the exciting stuff, which is all the questions that you have for us. Oh, yeah, we have a, a bunch here chimed in, so I'll start going through some of those uh, first. With the opening or reopening of China now, are you seeing any changes in bookings, and what are your thoughts on China going forward? So. Uh, clearly, an opening of China is a good thing. Um, they import, they require and import all things petrochemicals, at least from navigators' point of view. Um, and that is what we have seen lately, whereby a lot, well, more, 75% of the ethylene from North America is heading across Pacific to China, to that region. And that is helpful. Uh, Mats mentioned the doubling ton-mile demand, which definitely is helpful in a small segment. So that is positive. Uh, and uh, it doesn't look like reading the news that they're going to go back to where they were. So I think it's game on for China and uh, it's positive for, for our business. Next question here. How drastic is the price differential between LPG, ammonia, CO2 for booking a carrier? Or stated this way, is one product more profitable for Navigator than others? I think uh, <clears throat> the beauty of Navigator is that we, we access and trade in, in different markets, LPG, petrochemicals, ammonia, uh, and to be continued CO2. So they have different drivers, they have different trades, and they have different contracted sort of industry standards. Um, so LPG for hand designs is a mix between uh, spot and time charters, whereas in ammonia, it's more time charter based. CO2 is not here yet, but that will be, the initial phase will be very much project based. So, there are specific projects requiring specific ships and they will be constructed against long-term time charters. So it's not so much about price differential today. Uh, our fleet, because it is flexible, it will go where it makes the most sense. If that is LPG, it will go into LPG. If that is ammonia, it will go into ammonia. So the flexibility has a role to play there. But CO2 is, uh, is not a, a spot product as such. It will be a long-term project-based. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, and maybe we can just add on, on the CO2 carriers that, that they will be uh, most likely different ships. Uh, uh, CO2 is, is heavy. And, and once that market gets started, we'll probably see purpose-built CO2 carriers that will be a little bit heavier, a little bit sturdier. Um, so, so they will most certainly be, uh, to begin with, built against these uh, long-term contracts. So not traded spot uh, at, at the outset. All right. In a perfect world, what could the best utilization rate be for Navigator? 
I understand the time of dock, loading, unloading. So maybe it can't be 100%. You're not always in perfect positioning. But what uh, in a perfect world, highest utilization. You were mentioning in October was 94.4%. November, December, above 90%. How good can it get? In our, how we view it, view it uh, above 90% is good. Above 95%, very good. You cannot get to 100% because it practically doesn't work. So anything above 95% is, you know, we are extremely pleased and happy with. Uh, so I don't, this, this uh, marginal difference between uh, whether it's uh, 90, 96% or 97, I mean, that is extremely high. I can't remember what the highest is from, from that slide we had. But I think 97 has been the highest we've ever had. And that is pretty much all the 58 plus ships being employed. Uh, so that, that is extremely high. Okay. A couple questions on the supply side. Uh, why is the order book for new builds in the handy size segment so low? Yeah, maybe I can just add a few words to that. It's uh, it's of course difficult to to guess. I mean, there there'll be different reasons amongst different uh, owners. But if we look at the history, um, uh, profitability in the gas tanker segment through the cycle for long periods of time have not been great. So I think there is a, a number of people who are sitting analyzing the the history and saying, hmm, th this is a, a an area where a number of players have been have had difficulty uh, generating a, a suitable return for, for a long period of time. Uh, particularly, there have been times when financial players have entered into shipping and also uh, that happened in, in the gas tanker segment as well. And that hadn't worked out so well for them, uh, mainly also because uh, the gas tanker business is an industrial shipping uh, segment where most of the owners own their own tonnage. You don't see that the chartering in and out is happening to, to the same extent as you will see maybe in dry bulk or, or, or tankers. So this is not a segment that's, uh, that's suitable for, for financial players that, that want to play the, the asset cycle. And I think uh, some players have realized that the hard way. And, and that means that you, you don't see much interest from financial players at all. It is mainly from the existing industrial players. And, and we are, uh, you could say a conservative bunch. We we would like to up the profitability of the existing business before we start venturing into to new buildings now. So a little bit of uh, you could say the the the, the structure of our business uh, and and also because of the history, I think. But uh, yeah. Okay. And then sticking on the supply side, what impact will CII or EEXI have on Navigator as well as competitors' cargo carrying capacity? until 2026. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the industry overall, it will not have a huge impact, but it will add some uh, requirement for slowing down uh, part of the segment. I think we will see overall uh, a reduction in the, the average speed. So that means that that in itself will be adding to, to tightening the, the market and to, to increasing the, the utilization uh, overall. Uh, when it comes to Navigator, we have a relatively modern fleet. It's, it's not going to, to, to mean a whole lot to, to the way that we trade our businesses. It's a relatively small number of our uh, vessels that are uh, ranked either in, in, in one of the lower segments in, in the D and the E. Um, so uh, so it, it won't have much of an impact for, for us right now. 
Over time, of course, if we did nothing uh, over time, our vessels would be moving into the lower categories. But of course, we're working very intensively on energy efficiency and, and operating our, our ships more efficiently, also installing uh, energy savings devices on board our ships so we can follow the curve down by improving our energy efficiency overall. So, so overall, I wouldn't expect that it will have much of an impact on the average speed uh, and, and the earnings potential of our fleet. Okay. Um Last question on the supply side, it's kind of two questions getting to the same. Can you talk about the interplay between ship ship sizes? For example, if Suez Max tankers are expensive, the VLCCs, ship roach below the VLCCs, tankers when available. So can you discuss the cargo splitting or maybe poaching between VLGCs and handy sizes? And following on that, what are your thoughts on the large order book for the larger size gas carriers and potential impact on the handy size sector? So one thing to keep in mind that the VLGCs, the very large gas carriers, they carry one product, and that is LPG mainly. So there's very little interplay poaching cannibalism between the very large gas carriers and handy size. They, they are two widely different segments. So, so that is not uh, the biggest direct sort of correlation. There's a, there's a somewhat correlation from the medium gas carrier segment and handy size, not in petrochemicals. So just keep that in mind. Handy size ships are still the largest, predominantly largest petrochemical gas carriers. So there won't be any poaching, if that's the word, from the segment above the medium gas carriers. So, but there is an impact from the LPG side and ammonia side. So depending on the trade, whether the port can accept uh, a larger ship or not, or the storage is adequate to take a medium gas carrier cargo or not. So there are some physical limitations that even if they wanted to cannibalize, they could, but there is some link there. However, um, the opportunity set that we are seeing in the ammonia expansion, so we touched upon blue ammonia, additional production exports of ammonia, uh, blue ammonia, and also LPG. So again, going back to uh, US NGL productions and increasing exports, that will benefit and uh, particularly the medium gas carrier business in terms of LPG and ammonia. So we are quite we are quite uh, optimistic about additional supply covering new build order book. Um, but uh, keep in mind that uh, the cannibalism is not a straight line and there we are different products, different trade lines, lanes. So that is, is something to keep in mind. So it's not, it's not a, a tit for tat uh, exercise. Sure. Okay, uh, Mods, I'll turn this to you. Is it your intent to use the entire $50 million share buyback authorization? And if so, in what time frame? Yeah, we'll, we'll be reporting on the progress uh, of our share buyback program when we do our quarterly earnings. So, so we, we won't be reporting, you could say, on the progress in, in the meantime. 
the only thing I can say is that, that we have initiated the program. I can say that we, uh, if you look at, at what we reported as our cash position when we finished Q3 was $150 million. And, and what we've done in terms of, of refinancings and, and so on has only strengthened it in the meantime. So, so we don't have any restrictions, you could say, uh, cash-wise or in terms of the, the leverage that we have that, that would put any constraint on, on, on what we can do. So, uh, so we'll keep you updated on this one. Um, yeah, good answer, Sam. Um, Oyvind, back to you, difference between semi and fully refrigerated rates and the demand for that. And then also is there seasonality in terms of usage of ships? I know we mentioned that three Q three Q is usually the weakest, four Q one Q is stronger. I don't know more color. Yeah, the largest uh, the largest part of uh, the, the fit is the semi refrigerated handy sized vessels. So they are more flexible compared to fully refrigerated ships. So we have six handy sized fully refrigerated ships. They trade uh, one ship in fully refrigerated LPG and five in ammonia. Very efficient in ammonia. Our semi-refrigerated handy-sized vessels are more flexible, as I just mentioned, and they do a mix between LPG, uh, petrochemicals, propylene and butadiene, and also lately a couple of them have been doing ammonia. So that is that is the price differential that is being quoted, and as you see on that graph, uh, mirroring flexibility or slightly less flexibility. In terms of seasonality, there is seasonality in uh, LPG, uh, that goes with uh, LPG needed for heating uh, during winter. So there is some seasonality. Petrochemicals, not so much, depending a little bit. Ammonia is very steady because people need to eat uh, food. So there's, the, again, uh, when you look at Navigator, the different products we do trade, they have uh, very different dynamics. Uh, so it's, it's just the, the, the uh, mix between them all that makes it quite interesting for us. Okay, I've been told we have five more minutes, so I'll go through these next questions pretty quickly. One is the savings from the recent repayment of the NOC bond. Um, so that was our most expensive debt, a little over 8%, 70 plus million dollars. So you're looking at $6 million a year. Um, that has gone away. Now we did refinance that with cheaper debt from another credit facility at SOFR plus 2.1%. So there will certainly be some savings from that. Um, Oyvind, quick question here. How often do the ships need to be worked on to keep them running efficiently? And would that take them out of service or affect the utilization? Yeah, so the uh, all the ships need to uh, go to dry dock. It's called dry dock, whereby you take them out of service for about two weeks, two to three weeks, uh, every fifth year. So with a, with, a, with a fleet of 50 plus ships, then you, every year you're bound to have uh, about 10, 10 vessels uh, in dry dock. So that does not, that is a planned uh, event whereby you take the ships out of service, which are not part of the utilization formula because it is planned and you have to do it. So, but during between the, the dry dockings, then, of course, there are maintenance uh, programs uh, on a continuous basis on board the ships to try to prevent uh, any unnecessary off-hire or out-of-service uh, 
situations. Awesome. Our last three questions, mods to you. Uh, congrats again on the Greater Bay acquisition. Following that, is there any potential for fleet expansion or additional bulk on deals? And is your market share an issue as it relates to further fleet expansion? Um, to take the last one first, no, no, it's not. Uh, because typically when you look at the gas tanker industry as a whole, we are relatively small player. There are uh, lots of uh, tons of capacity in the very large uh, gas carrier space and, and also a very large number of, of, of very small gas carriers. So uh, when you look at the market that way, uh, it would be highly unlikely that there would uh, be any discussions around market share uh, constraints uh, and so on. Uh, I, I think maybe the the constraint is a little bit more that, that we are quite, uh, we stay true to our uh, market in, in, in the handy sizes. We, we like the handy sizes and we like to, to, to stay here. We also have some mid-sized ships, but we haven't really looked uh, above and, and, and below. And that means that there's not a whole lot of uh, potential acquisition targets uh, or, or secondhand ships that are being made out for, for, for sale. Um, so, so we will have to, to talk to some of the existing players and see if there are any that would, would like to, to exit from the industry and we'll be happy to, to talk to them. We, we try and do our best to, to keep that discussion warm so that, that we can gradually uh, absorb more secondhand vessels as, as we've done in the past. So that is really the, the main thrust for us. It's not so much going out, uh, making new building orders right now, first of all, because the yards are relatively full. They're building a lot of LNG and, and, and container ships. Secondly, if we were to put an order, it, it would be a relatively long delivery period. Uh, so it will take uh, two, two and a half years before we, we got the vessel. And thirdly, they're quite expensive right now. The yard prices are high. Uh, so, so we don't really see the um, business case right now for going out, making ordering for, for fleet, renewal, uh, fleet renewal perspective. It would have to be something quite tailored where there was a, a long-term contract uh, that, that we could go out and build a, a vessel against. So uh, we keep our eyes open. We hope that we'll be able to find, uh, identify more secondhand vessels that we can, we can attract, uh, but it's, it's, it's not an, uh, uh, an easy one. Okay, two minutes, last two questions. I'll take the first quick one. I'll turn it to you for the last one, Mods. Um, are there any more refinancing projects left? What about financing the joint venture expansion? So first on the refinancings, as I mentioned earlier, we have two maturities in 23, one for 62 million, one for 70 million. So that 130 million, we will combine into a larger facility here in the next few months. So stay tuned for that. And for the JV expansion, you know, we can certainly pay for that with cash on hand and cash from operations. Uh, we are certainly looking at opportunities to finance that. It is obviously a great asset that we have. So that will be uh, to be determined over the next 12, 15, 18 months during the expansion. Last question for you, Mods, finishing us off. Navigator is clearly committed to sustainability. It's even in the motto behind all of your heads, connecting the world today, creating a sustainable tomorrow. So in what ways will Navigator be a part of the energy transition? Yeah, um, we, we have a, a bunch of opportunities here and it is a, a very, very clear uh, component of our strategy. Uh, and, and I think we're quite different from some of the other uh, shipping segments where it's not so clear how to decarbonize the business and, and participate in this transition. It is for us. Uh, 
we are, of course, in, in the very short term, working hard on uh, optimizing uh, our, our energy consumption so that we bring down the, the, uh, the, the oil that we're burning on our existing vessels. And there's definitely more work to be done here by operating our ships more efficiently and also by installing energy efficiency devices uh, that have a relatively uh, short payback period when, when, the, when the oil price is high as it is right now. So here we can do a lot in itself, but I think that the big and most interesting part is really the growth opportunities that we have in front of us. It's in the blue and green ammonia where uh, a lot of that will be needed for not only uh, fuel for, for ships, but also co-firing of, uh, of power plants in, in Asia, for instance. Uh, this market is emerging right now. It'll take a little bit longer to, to grow and, and develop the, the green ammonia because it takes a lot of solar and wind capacity to be, be built up. But I think the blue part of it, where you use existing ammonia production facilities combined with carbon capture and storage uh, capex, here you can ramp up that production relatively quickly. And I think we are going to see over the next two, three, four years that a number of big projects will be starting to deliver blue ammonia and will be there to transport it. Uh, this is a potentially million dollars or million tons, millions of tons of, of ammonia to be transported and that can have a very uh, exciting effect for us. The other one is the CO2 transportation where we see the projects and the, the tenders are coming out right now and we are participating in, in those so that we would be want to be amongst the front runners in, in, in delivering CO2 transportation uh, as, as a service. So here you can already see that there are two big uh, new business areas that are developing that will uh, combined with our existing business, uh, both support our, our earnings, but also take our business mix into a, a, a greener direction and, and bringing down our overall emissions so that we can fully decarbonize over time. Awesome, well said, thanks. I know we're out of time, sorry for going a few minutes over there, Nicholas. I think we got to all the questions. If not, feel free to reach out, randy.gibbons at navigatorgas.com. Uh, we'd love to stay in touch. Nicholas, thank you again. Well, thank you to, uh, to all of you, Matt, uh, Oivind, and uh, Randy, uh, a great presentation. And uh, as a closing, uh, this presentation will be available for uh, replay uh, upon demand. It will be archived. So we are sure that more people are going to uh, log in and listen to uh, this great discussion. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.